What's in your story bag is a podcast where I, your host Rituparna, help people sort their story bags. Not the holiday bag, the laptop bag, the school bag, the tote, the duffel or the knapsack. Just the invisible bag of stories you carry through your life. I believe that every story must be told and shared with listeners. You never know who needs it. So sit back and listen. You never know when a story will trigger one from you. I want to take a moment to thank all my listeners. What's in your story bag is only 5 episodes old and over the past few weeks I have received innumerable messages of people who have been moved by my stories. So thank you for listening and please spread the word. This podcast is not about me. It is about you. It is for anyone who has a story to share. You may know which story to tell or you may want a little nudge, a poke, a tug or a pull to draw that story out. Sometimes you need just a listener who wants your story. And so let me tell you, I have a voracious appetite for stories, especially yours. This week I'm shifting gears to bring to you a story that I have been witness to. I will be talking to Saurav Ghosh. He's 33 years old, unmarried, lives in Jamshedpur with his parents. Saurav has a very interesting career. He doesn't have a job, a 9 to 6 like you would say, yet he loves what he does. When we were hit by COVID, I asked him whether it's affecting his work. The fact that he does two distinct things for his livelihood is a blessing. While COVID has shut down one aspect, the other is doing well. Saurav doesn't talk much, and before our conversation he said he has 5 minutes to tell his story. Knowing him, I know he meant it. Once he started telling me his story, he wouldn't stop. Lean in and listen. And oh yeah, one more thing. Saurav is my little brother. So, uh first and foremost, how do you feel about talking to me for my podcast? How does that make you feel? This is probably oh, I'm not probably this is obviously the first podcast that I've been on. I'm sometimes kind of excited. Yeah. I've been listening to a few podcasts of my own, but all of them are golf related. No offense to you. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to this. And have you heard my podcast? Yeah, I've heard your podcast. But apart from that, I'm not generally someone who listens to podcasts quite often. Ma finds it very difficult to explain to people what you do. So, uh, for the sake of this podcast, and for her to listen to it, we know she's going to listen to it very soon. Uh, could you explain to her in simple terms what do you do for a living? All right. So you could say I do two things for a living. Uh, currently, one because of the lockdown, but I primarily do two things for a living. Uh, my first one, my passion. is uh, is on the golf course so i officiate i am a i'm a international certified referee and i help officiate in golf tournaments around the country uh, i've done a few events abroad as well but primarily in the country uh, so you would ask what is a golf referee and what are they supposed to do so 
think of it think of it as a as a cricket umpire to give the simplest of of an example so how a cricket umpire officiates a game of cricket uh, we officiate through a golf tournament which generally lasts a few days 3 to 4 days so we help run the event set up the golf course and help the entire tournament running the entire tournament you could say that's where i want to put my focus on as much as i can but obviously with the restrictions and everything that uh, that we have right now i have not been able to go out for the last 3 months and i don't know how much will i go out in the near future my second work is something that happened to actually happened to come along it happened to come along in a quite a weird manner i never planned to go into this uh, but i always believed i had a knack for it so it goes back to my younger days when i used to play a lot of video games and i always imagined that i kept telling my dad that i wanted to build video games when i was older uh, but that never materialized uh, but what obviously that entails is a computer engineering and writing code you could say so sometime let's say about 6 years ago 2014 or 2015 when i had started uh, my golf referee uh, stuff as well I was trying to build a golf application a mobile application which helps golf courses and golf tournaments to run their business as such and when I was doing that I I spent I not only did I spend some money on learning stuff learning how do you actually program everything how do you write code but not only did I do that but I had a couple of people helping me write the code as well and then when i got along that that as i as i got deeper and deeper into it i realized that i did have a knack for it and i was quite enjoying it so i tried to find a niche for myself right you have millions of people writing uh, selling their services online as a freelancer and i didn't want to be just one of them so i tried to find my niche and i found my niche in google apps uh, so when it comes to google apps you have google sheets google docs gmail calendar and everything right now i have a client right now who uh, who are organizing a virtual race across the united kingdom so basically what they do is that a lot of people are running and they are tracking their mileage on their apps or on their phone and everything they feed that information on an application that we have that we have built and it shows them it shows that a path along it shows them on a particular path all along uk and they this sort of it's all for charity So what happens? What happened here is that a lot of these people, a lot of these people, uh, primarily work on Microsoft Excel and Microsoft Word and Outlook and everything. But uh, Google Sheets is on its own can handle everything that can be done on any of the Microsoft products. Or sorry, Google Apps on its own can handle anything that can be done on, on any of these Microsoft products. And a lot of these, because Google was always on the cloud while Microsoft was not initially, a lot of these people always. ventured or had ventured into google apps as such before they ventured into outlook or excel or for all of the microsoft products and so these small businesses these big businesses may some of them are quite big uh, i've had have in fact worked with hp as well so they need automation like automation would be anything would be like you know to check your email every day and if you have any any bills in there to log all of those bills in a google sheet for you to uh, you know Read through at the end of the month, for example, and you know make 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 your budget for the next month or something like that. So these businesses, all of these businesses have their needs, and uh, a lot of people across the internet, all of the world, focus 
uh, or sell the services on Microsoft products. But when it comes to Google Apps, there was there was a gap in the market. I mean, there were enough people already working on it and selling their expertise, but there was a gap in it, and I found that gap, and that eventually came out to be my niche because I decided to specialize on it, and uh, I've been doing so for I think about five years, maybe maybe more, six years, maybe now. And that's what I'm doing all right. Great. And uh, just to go back to that one question that. You did not study, or you didn't train to do this. I mean, you did a course. You said, um, uh, just for the sake of our podcast, just tell people what did you study in college? Okay, so not that <laughs> but I started with statistics honors in Delhi University. I was good with numbers. I have a knack for numbers. My sister will uh, obviously concur <laughs> with me on that. Uh, but um, I thought I could do it. But it turned out to be something I wasn't really interested. In. Although I do love numbers, and I still do love numbers, and uh, I enjoy working with numbers. Uh, but uh, that statistics <laughs> was a whole different ball game, and it wasn't my cup of tea. And I guess uh, so that never worked out. So I failed my first year and moved to a, a course called the BA program, which specializes specializes in English and history and. I think Hindi was one of the subjects and maths and everything, and so that was that. That was my bachelor's, uh, my undergrad, and my graduation. My post grad was in I, I did an MBA in uh, international business, uh, and that was right after college. I did not work as such. So yes, that's technically my education. My education background does not consist of the things I do right now. Ninety-nine percent of my clients are uh, from the Western countries. Mm-hmm. So, and the way they look at an MBA versus the way Indians look at an MBA is it is a completely different thing. So, they actually think that as a it's a big thing for them. So, most of them haven't probably done their MBAs or, or probably don't even have master's degree. So, for them, it's a pretty big thing, and that actually works to their advantage. And they don't uh, expect freelancers. I think they don't expect freelancers uh, in the category that you work. Uh, to have an MBA degree and do what you're absolutely doing. Absolutely, no, not absolutely no. Because the the freelancers in my category are mostly IT graduates. So whether they have mm-hmm. some sort of information technology background or some sort of a computer engineering background. That makes me uh, very. That makes me very curious. Sort of uh, when you were small, I remember you wanted to be something. What did would you like to tell, talk about that? What did you want to grow up to be? I want to be a pilot. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I know I wanted to be a pilot, but I turned out to be colorblind. Uh, and then I know I wanted to. Uh, I think I wanted to be a chartered accountant, like my father, like our father. Uh, but I don't think, apart from those two, I don't think I did. I wanted to be anything else, did I? As a kid, Saurav needed to get his eyes tested before he went to boarding school. I remember the day he discovered that he is colorblind. He was visibly upset. And we chose not to talk about it. He laughs it off today, but back then he was very disturbed by the realization that he cannot pursue his wish to be a pilot. During our conversation, I asked Saurav whether he imagined himself to grow up to be an adult who has to work in a certain field. This is the first time I heard that he contemplated becoming a chartered accountant like our father. 
Our father spent 35 years as director of finance in a welding electrode manufacturing company that he started with his school friends. A startup back then in the 80s threw up a world of challenges and stories that I hope to tell in this podcast. So I wondered how much does he remember our father and his commitment to the work that he did and whether it has influenced him in any way. I honestly remember him to be very dedicated towards what he did. It was, it was never easy for him. I think we know this then. I mean, we know this now. We didn't know the extent of it back then. When we were ten, twelve, fifteen year olds, uh, maybe we did a bit, but we didn't really fully understand the situation. But yes, he had a tough time. He had a tough business to run, and. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea. I I know I know we've spoken about this. Our family has spoken about this. That if you, my sister, had to do Baba's job, she would have been able to do it because she's a hard nut to crack. I am not, and I would probably never have been able to do it. The fact that the fact that he could have, I mean, now again, something that we know now, he could have had a pretty lucrative uh, corporate career. Yeah. Uh, with his educational background, with his the way he went about his studies and everything, he could have had that. And I, uh, if 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 I'm not wrong, he he had some job offer from Tata Motors or wanted to apply at Tata Motors or, but he chose not to do that because he wanted to do something on his own. Yeah, he wanted to he wanted to do it for himself. That is what I've picked up. The most from him, that 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 level of that choice, that choice of whether you work for somebody else or you work for yourself, it's it's one of the biggest choices people make in their lives. Can turn somebody's life around, can turn somebody's life hell. So let's 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 take the conversation to what I've been waiting for is uh, your idea of work and your uh, career. As a golfer, what happened? All right. So when I finished my MBA, I had the let's say the guts to ask my family uh, or whatever, tell my family, ask my family that I don't want to work right now. I don't want to look for a job or start anything on my own. I want to play golf for a while because that's what I really wanted to do. I chose. To go down the path of a professional sportsman, a professional golfer. Now that's a tough one. If if you if there are any professional sports persons listening to this, then you know what it takes to get there. I played, I travelled, I practiced, I learned, and that was for about two years. Uh, I did all right. I won't say I did very well, or whether uh, I don't know if I had I actually had a future in that. You know, we don't know that, uh, but yeah, I would say that I probably wasn't the best in the country. I was, I mean, I probably wasn't anywhere near the best in the country. Uh, but I happened to meet uh, with an accident, a road accident, which left me severely damaged. I mean, my my right leg was crushed and everything. Uh, my hands, I broke both my hands uh, as well, 
and I was in the hospital for about 45-50 days in the first stretch and then I had to go back to the hospital for I had further complications in my foot, in my ankle, in my knee and then so I had to keep going back and it, it was a tough time it was it, it was quite tough uh, to uh, not just physically come out of it but also mentally accept that this is life and this is how it will be Whatever in the case is, because this sport, because this game means so dearly to me, I had to, had to, had to find a way to stay attached to it throughout my life. But I don't think I would have made it far. I don't think I was that good. Like, and, and I'm proud to say that I don't think I was that good. I in the days, weeks, months and years following the accident, I have never seen Saurav regret the road trip for a second. He has not spent a second regretting the journey that led to an accident and him to give up the sport. So while he worked on a way to stay connected to the game, he surprised all of us when he started working and earning right from his bed. I knew that I wanted to do something. Right? How much TV can you watch? This, I mean, this is 2012, so there's no Netflix, there's no Amazon Prime. So I had my laptop with me, and I figured, okay, what the hell? There are millions of people working online. Let's try and find some work. So it took me some time, obviously, and uh, I found a transcription job. So it was just normal transcription, just you know, audio transcription, just or maybe video as well, converting audio and video into readable format, right? whether it was subtitling a movie or just a conversation between two people you know podcasts and everything all of those things so I happened to work for an American company uh, called Fox Transcribe it came as a really really big thing for me at that point of time and uh, it's not like I don't think I ever discussed this with my uh, with, with you with my sister or with my parents or anybody it's just something that I wanted to do on my own and if something came out and it did, I guess I told everybody that we were just trying to get me on my, literally on my feet again, just walking again, which was painful enough uh, in its own way. And through the numerous surgeries and complications that I had, uh, I guess it never, nobody, it never came to anybody, okay, what is he going to do with that? Or I don't think anybody asked me that question. But I knew that if I'm not thinking about it right now, it's not that I, it's not that I was thinking about twenty four seven and I was hassled or worried or or you know full anxiety, full fully anxious or something like that. But I knew that okay, I have to figure it out and I will in some time. I, I can't force it and it has to come to me. So that was the first let's say job that I had. You would say. With time, Saurav mended his bones. In and out of the hospital for nine surgeries, Saurav was still transcribing between his hospital trips. But it wasn't the end game. He was now ready to go back to golf in a new way. The first time I actually thought about it, uh, actually somebody told me, actually somebody said that this is uh, this could be one of the parts you could take. And I said, wow, okay, let me think about it. And the very next day, I knew that, I think, probably not the very next day, but within, let's say, a week or 10 days, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. It didn't take me that long to decide. 
yeah so that's how it came about yeah and then i began studying for it so you have to certify yourself i mean you have to answer a few exams get certified and everything so i gave a couple of exams one to two in india you could say every year uh, the two the two two people from every country not every country maybe 50 60 70 countries from the world get to attend a course the final exam in uh, in st andrews in the, it's the home of golf basically that's where golf is said to be originated you could imagine it as uh, you know as lords uh, basically what lords is for cricket so we went there that was where the final exam was which was by far the best experience of my life sorum went on to pass the exam and come among the top 3 in the program he was also the youngest amongst his peers at st andrews I mean that 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 international certifications gives me a certain seniority of over other referees in the country. Uh, obviously, not necessarily the experience that other people have, but uh, that worked to my advantage quite a bit. Sora became one amongst the many freelance golf referees in India, so he had employment half the year during the golf season. But that was surely not enough. In the meantime, I I found a job in a local golf course, uh, working basically. I ended up working with Tata Steel uh, to uh, help run the two golf courses that we have in Jamshedpur, and I had quite fun doing. I learned so much, so I did that uh, for about a year, year and a half. Uh, but I realized that I, I had to choose one of the two. I tried to focus on my Referee duties, so I had to pick one or the other because I cannot prioritize both. So I had to leave my job. Um, why did you have? To, I mean, I understand. I understand why uh, you couldn't do both. But what made you give up a secure job to take up a part-time, uh, uh, let's say, uh, a part-time work as a golf yeah, referee? Yeah. yeah. to follow your passion right but what many people do that not many people get to do that sometimes those choices are not even made for you i am extremely fortunate to have that in front of me that i could follow my passion and yeah i was probably 26 years old then or maybe something maybe slightly more than that maybe 20 years 28 years old then that's when i found my passion and i knew that that is what i wanted to do and i would figure the rest out i the yeah, security was one thing i wasn't married back then i'm, I'm not married now either but i wasn't married back then and that was not a part of the equation and to top it off i had obviously the most supportive family i could ever think of that anybody can think of who did not once question Why? Why are you leaving something that is giving you money every month to follow something that's only giving you money once in two weeks, or once in three weeks, or once in four weeks? To a lot of people, it's it's you know it's golden apples versus red apples, right? It's it's the same thing, it's the same basket. But to me, it wasn't. I guess that's something that's been my biggest driver since then. Yeah. My biggest driver in life, the freedom of. Choosing what you want to do today, 
all right is something that i place a lot of emphasis in most people cannot for whatever reason or most people don't want to for whatever reason but i do i knew that okay this is what if this is what i want to do i'm going to do this today i will figure it out tomorrow tomorrow is a brand new day you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we will figure it out tomorrow So tell me sort of uh, what drives you what drives you to keep working every day and your idea of work is very different from a lot of people who you and I know right it's very different from yeah. uh, you know maybe your friends it's very different from our relatives and it's uh, very different from our cousins people hang up people throw their jobs out of the window and travel the world on a backpack with a backpack people corporate cop people with highly lucrative corporate uh, jobs quit their jobs to run uh, an animal shelter people do that all right you we do come across those situations those people we personally might not know them but we read about them see them hear about them every other day now i haven't gone down that that path you know that drastically i would say but it it has affected me in a way in a way knowing that do what you want to do today you'll figure it out tomorrow you can figure it out about tomorrow when you wake up the game still drives me it's it's still i would say it is the biggest source of happiness for me in fact even if it's playing a video golf video game i mean that's that's the main source of happiness for me but it is it is that to be honest uh it is that to be i'm i'm very curious to know um i mean the whole idea of this podcast is to find how your idea of work is also evolving now that there are no tournaments happening there are no sporting events happening or even if there are there will be no spectators uh that's what i'm hearing eventually but i'm just very yeah. curious to know how are you you know um, your idea of work during covid has it changed uh, one of course you not you're not going out and playing golf absolutely the thing is obviously obviously with the situation as it is right now uh when do golf tournaments the golf tournaments are supposed to begin in america uh, about a week two weeks from now which in my personal opinion is Are you kidding me? I mean, have you got that? Right? You you are locking America is locking. I don't know, fifty thousand cases a day, and you are open golf courses. Okay, fine. They have an entire policy in place where they are going to test every player. Everybody who enters that golf course will get tested. Mm. All right, you can do that in America where you have million dollar, multi million dollar budgets. All right, but in India, in India, you do not. But there are supposed to be around. I think three national tournaments at least in October. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I will be called for one of them. If I am called, then I don't know if I'll go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all, we all, we've all had to deal with some level of anxiety when it comes to uh, the coronavirus. We've all had to deal with it in some way, whether we accept it or want to accept it or not. And I have two. All right, personally. I'm not too scared. I know I will probably get it. I have a feeling I will get it. But it's 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 also it's more about the vulnerable people around us, living with us, whether it's in my house or whether it's in the house next to me. That's what worries me. That's what has has us. 
now the question is can you live with it can can i live without working a golf tournament for the next 24 months i don't know if today you ask me this question i don't know so since there are no golf tournaments i have been extremely fortunate to have uh, my uh, google apps business to not only to do well enough and feed myself and my family or whatever uh not many people have been in this situation and so many millions of people have lost their jobs around the world in india millions of people have not done any business in the last two months have not while they have over it reaching you know unimaginable amounts i have been fortunate enough not to be in one of those situations and i have done all right i have done okay i would say okay during the last two three months and hopefully that continues and but yeah three months from now six months from now we don't know where we'll be whether we don't know i mean okay i don't know where we will be we could be where new zealand is today or we could be where germany is today or south korea is today or we could be where america is today we could be talking 20 30 40 000 cases a day so we don't know where we going to be six months from now so i have made my peace with it in one way or the other that this is not the time it's a break i treat it as a break i i have had enough breaks in my adulthood to be in bed or go back to the hospital and i have the amount of patients i have it's funny the amount of patients i have we will go back to the we won't go back to the pre covid life like the way it was people will be a little very always and hopefully some people i mean people will change as a whole and uh, and uh, people are uh, better versions of themselves if if there is that is possible for that matter and we all want to be that we all want to be there I must say this uh, sort of that this is one quality in you which I have I mean apart there are lots of good qualities in you which I admire deeply as your elder sister but the one quality that I deeply deeply admire about you is that uh you've never never regretted the way your life has spanned in fact you've taken up in in a stride I've seen you in your deepest darkest toughest and the most painful days of your life uh, looking at it with a lot of smile and and positivity we have not left, lost hope you've never pitied yourself and i think that's the most brilliant thing about uh, being in any kind of a situation where you say oh my god why am i like this and this is what has happened to my life and i don't know what way will i be i've never seen you like that and i do accept that yes the way you accepted uh, your the life and its challenges and you made a life out of it that's very very inspiring for me and that's as your elder sister i've learned a lot of uh, good lessons from my younger brothers and i'm really looking forward uh, to yeah like you said covid covid is changing all of us and um, it's 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 changing a lot of our ideas you've got to yeah you've got to adapt with it whatever you're doing today yeah whatever one is doing today you've got to adapt We don't have a choice, right? It's not like we have a choice. Right. You've got to adapt to it, and you make the most out of what you have right now. And if it is bleak, it won't be. Right. It will never be always bleak. It is always a bright day. Our COVID nineteen stories is an attempt to document the positive stories that are around us. It is an attempt to make sense of the story that we are living now. 
you, me and everyone on this planet. It is an attempt to live in the moment, to look at life with optimism, to work on our relationships and find happiness in simple joys. Because this is the story that we are living now, we are trapped in a narrative. It's up to us to become the heroes or the victims in this story of our lives. So join me as I go along extracting stories around ideas of family, heart, relationships, home, work, desires, dreams and life that unites us all. If you have a story to tell, drop in a line at contact at yourstorybag.com. You can also connect with me and Your Story Bag on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So until the next story, happy storytelling.